1: Go episode three hundred eighty-eight of the Al Goldie podcast. It is Tuesday, August thirtieth, two thousand twenty-two. It is the day of the cutdown to fifty-three in the NFL. Each NFL team must reduce its active roster to a maximum of fifty-three players by today at four p.m. Eastern. Among those teams is yes, the Commanders. Uh, they are a part. Of the NFL. Uh, Who will make the commander's cut? Who will get cut? Uh, There's a lot to be thinking about. Coming up on the show a special guest with whom we will think about things and discuss things, Commanders insider Ben Standing of the Athletic. Uh Ben is really good at doing the thought exercise that is putting together the Commanders initial 53-man roster. So we'll work through some of the particularly intriguing areas, uh such as receiver, how many receivers will the Commanders be keeping and Now running back, uh, there now is this major wild card in the commander's initial 53-man roster in Brian Robinson Jr. Of him, of course, having been shot multiple times in Washington, D.C. on Sunday. Will he be on that commander's initial 53-man roster? If not, Uh, which other running back beyond Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick will be on the team's initial 53-man roster, or should I say, which other running backs? Uh, Now, with the Brian Robinson Jr. situation, we do now have more details on what happened, and we have more good news on how he's doing. Uh, Next segment, I'll go in-depth on the very latest in the Brian Robinson Jr. situation, including extensive comments from head coach Ron Rivera in a post-practice press conference on Monday morning. And you'll also hear from some of the biggest names on the team, uh, interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen, quarterback Carson Wentz, receiver Terry McLaurin. You know, there's still a lot about the Brian Robinson Jr. situation that we don't know, but we do now know more. And when it comes to how he is doing we do know that he seems to be doing well. And it does appear as if there is a good chance that he'll be playing for the Commanders in the 2022 season. We certainly got that sense on Monday. Uh, We can't say that he'll be playing for the Commanders in the 2022 season with complete certainty. But the feeling right now is a pretty positive one. And it's very nice to be saying that. Uh, You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback of Brian Robinson Jr. being shot. Uh, I tell you, it still feels so odd saying that. Brian Robinson Jr. being shot. Uh, Tweet from Chad, too often, too accepted, unacceptable on a city street in daylight. DC native and I'm crushed. This kid. Tweet from Lawrence E. Harris, prayers for Brian Robinson. The violence needs to stop. Uh, Tweet from Joel, sick of this senseless violence. Uh, I got this email. The email is from a police officer, Officer Martin. And I have to tell you, this is one of the more powerful emails that I've ever received in doing this podcast. Uh, Writes Officer Martin. I listen to your pod as I do every day. Thank you so much for putting it out early and for it being so informative. Monday morning show kind of struck a nerve. Violence is up. You are correct. I am an officer and have been for 12 years. The city I work in had more homicides in six months of this year than we did all of last year. Nobody wants this career anymore. 12 years ago when I tested, there were over 600 candidates taking the written test. Now we barely can get 100 candidates. The officers who can retire are doing so. Officers who can't do this job anymore are leaving for other careers. And the ones staying, out are afraid to do their jobs. Afraid to arrest people in fear of being reprimanded because these days everyone wants to file a a complaint. When I started this career, I was proud that my girls could go to school and say my daddy is a police officer. Now I'd rather them say that I'm a plumber. The ongoing looting, rioting, and violent crimes are a product of the defund, abolish, and hate for us. I know your time is limited. I hope you read this, but I'll close by saying this. It's not going to get any better with the current politicians who always seem to be elected. Respectfully submitted, Officer Morton. Uh, Wow. Uh, Thank you for the email, Officer Morton. And uh, certainly, thank you for your service. You know, like I said on Monday's show, episode 387, uh, I do not claim to be an expert on this stuff, okay? I do not claim to have all of the answers on this stuff. Uh, I certainly have my opinions, and I do know this. What is happening in Washington, D.C., and what is happening in many of the major cities in our country is outrageous and unacceptable. Gun violence, way up. Homicides, way up. Specific to D.C., per the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department, and you can see these numbers for yourself at mpdc.gov. Homicides in D.C., From 2020 to 2021 rose 14%. Homicides in D.C. through August 29th were up 4% from the same point last year. And robberies in D.C. through August 29th were up 17% from the same point last year. 17%. Uh, Also, D.C. this year reached 100 homicides for the year earlier than in any year since 2003. Uh, There are a number of reasons that homicides and gun violence and other crimes are up in DC and in many of the major cities in our country. And in the case of Brian Robinson Jr., there is a lot to take in. I mean, that the two suspects are teenagers says a lot, right? Like teenagers, what was going on in their lives to where these guys felt compelled to do something like this? But The bottom line is this. What is happening in D.C. and in many other cities is sad and is absurd and needs to stop. And the policies and the philosophies that have brought us to this point need to stop or at the very least need to be drastically altered. And to me, the mayors and the district attorneys and the other leaders in those cities in which homicides and gun violence and robberies and whatever else have spiked since 2020 should all be taking long, hard looks at themselves and what they've presided over. And they should all be fearing for their jobs, okay? See what happened with this guy, Chasa Boudin. Uh, now, former San Francisco district attorney, Chesa Boudin. San Francisco voters this past June overwhelmingly voted to recall Chase Boudin from office. And you think about this, San Francisco, I mean, (laughs) maybe the single most liberal city on the planet, even San Fran said enough was enough with this guy, Chase Boudin as DA. I think that we may well start to see more and more of this, leaders whose policies and practices have made cities less safe being held accountable. You know, gee, imagine that. But did you see what has come out regarding what happened over the weekend? Brian Robinson Jr. over the weekend was one of three people shot at or stabbed along the H Street corridor. Washington, D.C. is a mess. This is not acceptable and this needs to change. Well, what has happened to Brian Robinson Jr. certainly makes you appreciate life more. Uh, if your health or the health of someone who you care about has been adversely affected by the negligence of someone else, uh, always know that the law firm of Paulson & Ace is there for you. Paulson & Ace will fight for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson & Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611, and when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you Paulson & Nace treats its clients with respect and dignity and wants what is best for the firm's clients. Paulson & Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. And Paulson & Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson & Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Heck, just last month, Paulson & Nace won a case for which the United States government must pay nearly $1. Point eight million dollars. Uh, this to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Uh, you may have read about this. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government and won. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. But well, one day there should be a book written about everything that has happened with the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders since the team hired Rod Rivera as its head coach on January 1st, 2020. All of the stuff that has happened with this team since Ron became the head coach in the coach-centric approach really is something. I mean, historians centuries from now will study all that has happened with the team since New Year's Day 2020. Uh, The name change, the workplace misconduct scandal, and the ensuing investigations, including congressional involvement, uh, the ownership turmoil, Ron Rivera having cancer, the Darius Guy situation, the releasing of Dwayne Haskins in December 2020, and then his tragic death This past April, Uh, the Alex Smith comeback and his ugly exit from the team, the Ryan Vermillion situation, the shooting death of Montez Sweat's brother, Anthony Sweat, last December, Uh, the DeShazer-Everett-Olivia Peters tragedy, on and on I could go. And of course, so much of what has happened has been off the field stuff, the latest of which was running back Brian Robinson Jr. being shot multiple times on Sunday in Washington D.C., uh, this happened in Northeast D.C. on the 1,000 block of H Street. Uh, this happened on Sunday, sometime between 5:30 p.m. and 6 p.m. D.C. police were looking for two teenage suspects, each of whom is black, each of whom has shoulder-length dreadlocks. And we on Monday got new details on what exactly happened. Uh, D.C. Police Chief Robert J. Conti, in a press conference on Monday, said. That there was a scuffle between Brian Robinson Jr. and the two suspects in which Brian wrestled a firearm away from one suspect before the other suspect shot Brian. Uh, He was shot in a leg and hip, and all of this happened with him leaving Crab Boss, which is a seafood restaurant and crab shack in DC. But there is good news Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. from the get go has been described as having non life threatening injuries. And Brian on Monday morning on Instagram put out a photo, uh, presumably from his hospital room, with the words, quote, surgery went well, thanks for the prayers, God is great, end quote. Uh, It was outstanding to see that from Brian Robinson Jr. The commanders on Monday morning conducted a practice. uh, This, as we on Tuesday have the cut down to 53, each NFL team must reduce its active roster to a maximum of 53 players by Tuesday At 4 p.m. Eastern. It's worth noting this about the commanders' practice on Monday morning. And, you know, it's funny, on just about any other day, this would be a major item. But back practicing to at least some extent for the commanders on Monday morning were tight ends John Bates and Cole Turner. Uh, Reporters were only allowed to watch a portion of practice, but the portion of practice that reporters were allowed to watch included Bates and Turner, uh, each of whom had been out for weeks. Uh, Bates, due to a calf injury, Turner due to a hamstring injury. So that right there was really good news. But of course, any Commanders news item that isn't a Brian Robinson Jr. news item right now pales in comparison to a Brian Robinson Jr. news item. Commanders head coach Ron Rivera did a post practice press conference on Monday morning. The first question that Ron was asked was for an update on Brian Robinson Jr. Here was Ron's answer.
2: Um, well, I can't get into the specifics of it other than to just say he's doing well. Um, we had an opportunity to visit with him last night, which was really uh, a relief and, and, and kind of uh, cool because he was, uh, he was in a really good place. Um, you know, the doctors were very positive with him, and um, he was very positive as well. So, um, you know, we're very fortunate. He's very fortunate in his very unfortunate situation. Um, but he's doing well, um, you know, and, and it's just it'll be a matter of time. Uh, before he's back out here. There is no timeline, but um, as I said, everything was very positive.
1: So Ron Rivera with some very encouraging words on Brian Robinson Jr., similar to the statement that Ron tweeted out on Sunday night. That statement, quote, I just got done visiting with Brian. He's in good spirits and wanted me to thank everyone for their kind words, prayers, and support. He wants his teammates to know he appreciates them all for reaching out, and he loves them all, and will be back soon doing what he does best, and quote. Well, Ron on Brian Robinson Jr. in that cut that we just heard, quote, it'll be a matter of time before he's back out here, end quote. Uh, Ron did not give a timeline, but what does Brian Robinson Jr.'s recovery look like? Here was Ron on that.
2: You know? um, really, it's just about the healing process and then, you know, once he's well enough to get out on the field, then, then the doctors will, you know, have to clear him, obviously, and then we'll go from there. But, um, you know, like I said, everything's been very positive so far. Um, I know he, he'll, he'll be seeing the doctors again today as well, and um, we'll just go from there. And as I said, there is no timeline.
1: Okay, but it does continue to sound like Brian Robinson Jr. will play football again and likely this season. Now, nothing's for sure, but that's how things are sounding. In fact, take a listen to this. Uh, this was an off mic exchange between Commanders Insider Matthew Paris of The Washington Times and Ron Rivera after Ron's post practice press conference on Monday morning. Uh, this is like secret audio that I'm about to play for you here. We are pulling back the curtain on the Al Galdi podcast, but I think that this is a key thing from Monday morning. Okay, now the audio isn't the greatest, but listen closely. If you
2: go on NFI, That's probably the discussion, uh, a discussion for we get a chance to hear
3: from the doctors. Okay.
1: All right, so the audio right there wasn't crystal clear, but Matthew Paris asked Ron Rivera if Brian Robinson Jr. will be going on NFI. Uh, NFI is the Reserve Non-Football Injury or Illness list, NFI, Non-Football Injury or Illness. Uh, And Ron responded by saying that that was something that the team was going to talk about on Monday. Now, that right there, to me, was maybe the most encouraging thing of all from Ron on Monday morning, that it wasn't even a given that Brian would have to go on this NFI list. Uh, Brian going on the NFI list would only mean that he would have to miss the Commander's first four regular season games. The fact that even that wasn't a given, at least as of Monday morning, great news. I mean, that really was great to hear. And that spoke to Brian potentially being able to play in a game sooner than week five. Now, you know, this was a subtle thing, but this to me, in a lot of ways, was a big thing. Uh, I loved hearing that from Ron on Monday morning. What the commanders do with Brian Robinson Jr. in terms of the construction of the 53-man roster is going to be very telling. Uh, if he ends up not going on the NFI list, then <laughs> it's on, man, okay? I mean, that'll mean that the expectation is that he's going to be good to go sooner rather than later, and that, of course, would be outstanding. Uh, here was Ron Rivera on Monday morning on how he got the news that Brian Robinson Jr. had been shot.
2: It was... Um It was hard. I mean, um, you know, I've I've gotten several phone calls as a head coach, unfortunately. Um, But this one was one of the harder ones. Uh, First of all, because he's a heck of a young man. He really is more than just a football player. He is really a heck of a young man. And so um, kind of blindsided me a little bit. Um, We were actually winding the day down when we got the call. And then, um, you know, just following our team protocol, we, you know, we started connecting with everybody that needed to be connected to. And, um, you know, once we found out where he was, uh, a contingent of us went down to, to, to be with him. Um, you know, we had uh, Mr. and Mrs. Snyder were there. Uh, Martin went down. Jason was there as well. Um, Dr. Castlero, Dr. Nunziata, uh, Dr. Roberts, myself, um, and um, Randy Jordan, the running backs coach. Randy, in fact, Randy and I got together and drove down together. Um, and, uh, and a few of the players were able to show up as well. So it was really cool to have, you know, contingency of people there. And then his aunt and uncle on his mom's side was there. He's, um, his uncle is a Colonel, uh, stationed here, um, in the uh, air force.
1: Wow. So quite the gathering for Brian Robinson, Jr. In the hospital on Sunday night. Nice to hear that. Uh, as for the phone call from which Ron Rivera got the news that Brian had been shot.
2: Well, it was, it was interesting. Um, got the phone call, I think somewhere around 6 o'clock, I think it was. I had actually popped into Coach Jordan's uh, office, and irony of all ironies, we were actually watching some Brian Robinson tape. And um, so when it hit us, you know, and, and, and I told Coach Jordan right away, and he took it really hard initially, and, you know, he just said, is he okay? And I said, well, for the most part, it sounds like it, um, but we weren't sure. And so I went over to um, to uh, Martin's office, and we had a we had a conversation. Uh, we got our, our head of security on Mike Jacobs, uh, who was terrific with the whole situation. You know, um, he was one of the first people that Brian called to let him know what was going on. And then from there, Mike went into action, and we connect connected with everybody on our team that needed to be connected as far as our protocols were concerned. Um, and then and talk with everybody. I mean, you know, you could feel the anger swelling up, but also the the concern. And um, it was, you know, the conversations were, you know, really about, you know, hey, I hope he's okay. And you know, there was a lot of worry. Um, I texted Brian because um, I know he had he had talked to to Mike, so I just texted him, and he called me, and he called me to let me know he was going to be okay. So that was that was really that was that was took a lot off my mind as far as that was concerned. But the biggest concern, obviously, was, was just making sure he was okay.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine the feeling that Ron Rivera must have had when Brian Robinson Jr. called Ron. Jeez, I mean, that must have been some moment. Uh, now, you heard Ron Rivera in that cut that I just played for you mention anger. Uh, Ron was asked where that anger comes from.
2: That, that, that this, you know, this continues to be a, a, a nationwide epidemic. You know, gun violence, and, and I think, you know, we, we really got to start getting to the point where we start talking about gun safety, you know, and, 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 and you know, we got we to, gotta, we can't make this a partisan issue. We, this, this has to be something that everybody has to work on together in our communities throughout the United States, and, and it's just, it can happen, it just shows you can happen anywhere and to anybody. So it's, it's something that we need to work on and come together um, to be able to, to solve. And again, I, this, you know, I'm talking about gun safety.
1: And it's worth noting that Ron Rivera at his post-practice press conference on Monday morning was wearing an orange commander's shirt. Uh, The shirt read, quote, wear orange, end quote. Uh, Orange, as you may know, has become a color that represents being anti-gun violence. And if you're wondering why, like why the color orange? Uh, So January 21st, 2013, 15-year-old Hydea Pendleton marched in President Barack Obama's second inaugural parade. One week later, Hydea was shot and killed on a playground in Chicago. And soon after that tragedy, Hydea's childhood friends decided to commemorate her life by wearing orange. Uh, Orange is the color that hunters wear in the woods to protect themselves and others. Uh, Wear Orange, that campaign began on June 2nd, 2015, what would have been Hydea Pendleton's 18th birthday. So that's where where Orange comes from. Uh, Ron Rivera later in his post-practice press conference on Monday morning was asked, what kind of change that he wants to see? Here was his answer.
2: Well, I just think it's about awareness. I think it's about, you know, the community being aware and the community really just saying enough enough, coming together, supporting our elected officials, you know, helping them. I mean, this, you know, there's too much infighting as far as that's concerned. And, and, and the real truth of the matter is, you know, people are, you know, people are dying unnecessarily. And, and it's crazy how we as, you know, one of the most advanced societies in the world continue to have this issue.
1: And then Ron Rivera later in his post-practice press conference on Monday morning was asked if he has given any thought to specific gun safety measures that he would support. Here was his answer.
2: Well, I, I just think it's really about, you know, education, you know, if, if, if you're going to own a handgun then it should be about education knowing how to properly secure it so it doesn't get stolen how it's properly secured so nobody the wrong people don't use it um, you know and, and, and I, do th- I do think that is because I, I know when you know when you will go for a hunting license you have to take classes so I, I just think that you know gun safety is what it's about you know it really truly really is about making sure we all know um, just how important it is
1: Yeah, you can tell that Ron Rivera in these answers about gun safety kept things very vague, uh, other than to be against gun violence, uh, which, of course, every reasonable person on the planet is against. I mean, I don't know who's the person out there who is pro gun violence. Uh, The truth is that we in this country do have a major problem with gun violence. Uh, That's not a political statement. I mean, the data on that is clear. And the gun violence comes in various forms, like mass shootings are one form of gun violence. Uh, homicides, especially in cities, are another form of gun violence. Uh, there is no easy answer for the gun violence problem in this country. And as much as common sense gun laws make sense, uh, we also know I mean, that people perpetrating these shootings are aren't people who obey our laws, you know? So it's like, to what extent would stricter gun laws prevent especially the extreme violence that's going on in many of our cities? I mean, Washington, D.C. has some of the strictest gun laws in the country, and yet Brian Robinson Jr. got shot in D.C. And D.C. has a massive gun violence problem. D.C. right now is a mess, in terms of gun violence. So solving gun violence, or at least adequately addressing gun violence, unfortunately, isn't as simple as just having stricter gun laws. Now, Rod Rivera, at the start of Monday morning's commander's practice, uh, did get the entire team together. Uh, He, during his post-practice press conference, was asked what he said to the team. Here was Ron's answer.
2: Well, I actually got to, I got them together prior to, to going out on the field. We had a quick meeting and and we talked about you know what had happened, um, you know, and just you know letting them know hey, it was a somber day. You know, we expected to be a tough day, so just hang in there and do the best you can as far as practice was concerned. And to be honest with you, I thought they, they rallied and they practiced pretty doggone good. So I was I was very pleased with that. They were able to focus, and I know their hearts are heavy right now because a lot of them are still thinking about Brian. Um, but again, as I said, you know, it, it, it we're very fortunate. He's very fortunate, and and a lot of the news has is- positive
1: yeah more positivity from ron rivera on how brian robinson jr is doing what about how ron informed the commander's players that brian had been shot here was ron on monday morning on that
2: um well it it happened so quickly and it was on social media so quickly that um i actually got as after I got the phone call, I started getting phone calls from the players. And so I just really started telling them, hey, you guys, you know, start sharing with your teammates. Um, I did talk to him. He has sounded pretty, you know, optimistic and, and positive, you know, considering his circumstances. Um, and when I did finally get to see him, one of the first things he asked me to do was and, and I tweeted it out just so everybody knew that he, he, he was doing OK. He asked me to let as many people know that. And so we decided, you know, talking to Sean and, and our team of people that, you know, me tweeting something out would, would probably be the best way and the easiest way to get the message out.
1: And as for how the rest of the commanders are doing of Brian Robinson Jr. having been shot, uh, here was Ron Rivera on Monday morning on that.
2: It was interesting because, you know, like I said, I, I talked to him before practice. I talked to him just before we practiced. And, you know, I just told him, I said, hey, do the best you can. And, and to be honest with you, I thought it really did. I really did think, considering Circus, it was a good practice. I, I think that they're in a good spot. I think a lot of them are relieved because um, I started the, the, the meeting now by telling them, hey, look, just so you all know, Brian's in a really good place. Uh, he's, 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 you know, everybody's very optimistic about his his recovery and his return. So, you know, that, that I think really put a lot of their minds at ease.
1: All right, now, also doing post practice press conferences on Monday morning were some of the biggest stars on the Commanders. Uh, the team did a nice job of making its biggest names available to talk about the Brian Robinson Jr. situation. Among those players uh, was Commanders interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen. Uh, he, like Brian Robinson Jr., went to Alabama. This was John on his reaction to Brian getting shot.
4: It's sad, but at the same time, I was praising God because he's fine and he's going to be okay. And it's not life threatening. Situation could have played out a lot worse for him and his family. And knowing that he's going to be okay, got to give God the glory.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt that this uh, Brian Robinson Jr. situation. Could have been much worse. Uh, Commanders quarterback Carson Wentz, uh, he did a post-practice press conference on Monday morning. Here he was on how the team handled what happened with Brian, and you'll hear Carson in this answer reveal more bad news for the Commanders. Take a listen.
2: Uh, I think everyone was good. Um, you know, Coach Coach Zampezi also his his father passed away as well, so that was that was announced. Um, some some things, obviously internally, we just praying praying for our guys. You know, we're a family and, and we want to keep that keep it that way and uh, pray for pray for everybody when they're going through stuff off the field and, and as well. And so uh, I thought practice was good. Guys were still up tempo, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I think everyone definitely feels feels for Brian and definitely again, it is a wake up call that there's there's a lot of things in our world. That, that are sad and unfortunate, and things wrong in our, in our society. And um, yeah, we got to all be smart.
1: So, how about that? Not only are the commanders dealing with Brian Robinson Jr. having been shot, they're also dealing with the father of quarterbacks coach Ken Zampese having passed away. And Ken Zampese's father is Ernie Zampese. Ernie Zampese, longtime NFL offensive assistant, who actually served as an offensive consultant for the Redskins. In 2004, Ernie coached in the NFL for 36 years, beginning with the San Diego Chargers in 1967. Uh, Ernie was the Chargers receivers coach from 1979 through 1982, working with Chargers offensive coordinator Joe Gibbs under Chargers head coach Don Coryell in 1979 and 1980. Uh, Ernie Zampezi succeeded Norv Turner as Dallas Cowboys Offensive Coordinator from 1994 through 1997. Uh, Norv, of course, is the father of Commanders Offensive Coordinator Scott Turner. Uh, Norv, of course, was a Redskins head coach for most of the 1990s. Uh, All kinds of connections between the Zampezis and the Turners, and the Zampezis and the Redskins slash Washington football team slash Commanders. Rest in peace, Ernie Zampezzi, a very respected NFL offensive mind for decades. And yeah, you know, the bad news related to the Commanders never stops, does it? Uh, Also doing a post-practice press conference on Monday morning was Commanders receiver Terry McLaurin. And Terry actually admitted to seeing a therapist in coping with things, including the death of former Washington quarterback Dwayne Haskins, uh, with whom, of course, Terry played at Ohio State. Remember, Dwayne died this past April 9th due to being struck by a dump truck while he was walking on a South Florida highway. Uh, Here was Terry on Monday morning.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, uh, I've really benefited from, um, you know... Seeing a therapist and and talking with with him and it's allowed me to have an outlet Um, You know my family my girlfriend my my teammates. I've really learned to lean into my support more I think a lot of times just people in general doesn't have to be athletes Um, You feel like you're alone, but I think also it helps to learn that you do have the support and you just sometimes have to open open yourself up to receive that support and receive that love and that care that you need because um, the more you harbor it in the more you hold it in um, it just festers up inside and it you blow up or you react in ways that are not necessarily indicative of who you are as a person or your character and you want to try to minimize that as much as possible but I think just understanding how empathetic we all have to be as human beings to everybody's going through something and if you can help them in any way I think uh, showing that grace showing that empathy is extremely important because a lot of people out here really put on a brave face and they're battling the real life stuff inside and um, just having that awareness as a human being it's helped me continue to Um, grow and um, lean into the people that I have and I think it it makes the load a lot lighter when you don't feel like you're carrying it alone you have an outlet to where you can um, see yourself growing as a human being and healing from some of the things you've been through
1: yeah good for Terry McLaurin for admitting to that and so with this Brian Robinson Jr situation, you know, we still do have the cut down to 53 on Tuesday. Like the business of football does go on. Ron Rivera on Monday morning on balancing what's happening with Brian Robinson Jr with the machinations of putting together an initial 53 man roster for the upcoming season.
2: The, the the truth as far as the football team's concerned is we'll we'll, we'll go on and, and when he's ready and he's okay and he's fine and he gets the all clear, it will welcome him back. But until then, we want to make sure he's healthy. Um, he's, he's he's as back to normal as he can be.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, one more for you. Ron Rivera on Monday morning on how hard it is to deal with something like the Brian Robinson Jr. situation on the day before the cut down to 53.
2: It is you know, it is difficult, um, you know, because um, some of the meetings that, you know, we had planned, stuff like that, we've had to delay a little bit. Uh, some of the morning meetings, um, you know, we weren't able to have yet. So and once I finish here, that's probably right where I'm headed to. And uh, then we'll start diving into that. And, but, but it did, you know, it, it does interfere. But again, you know, that's interesting right now. What's important is, 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 is Brian and just making sure he's okay.
1: I will say this though, when Brian Robinson Jr. comes back, whenever that is, he is going to instantly become maybe the most popular player on the Commanders. And personally, I believe that he's going to play with a purpose and a fire with which few players ever play. As the saying goes, right? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Brian Robinson Jr. being shot multiple times in Washington, D.C. did not kill him, and so he thus has been made stronger. And I very much could see what happened to him galvanizing him and galvanizing this commander's team as a whole This coming season, you know, few things can drive a team like playing with a purpose. We saw that with the Redskins in 2007 off the murder of safety Sean Taylor in November of that year. The skins in the 2007 regular season off the death of Sean went from 5 and 7 to 9 and 7 in rallying to make the playoffs. I would not at all be stunned if the shooting of Brian Robinson Jr. serves as a major motivating force for him and for the Commanders this coming season. Up next, our special guest, Commanders insider Ben Standing of The Athletic. Uh, we'll do a lot on the football impact of the shooting of Brian Robinson Jr. What is this going to mean for the construction of the Commanders' initial 53-man roster for the 2022 season? And we'll get into a number of other items regarding the cut down to 53, including whether safety Jeremy Reeves is in or out, and how many receivers the Commanders will be keeping. And I will ask Ben about what was up with Jamin Davis playing in the Commanders' preseason-ending 17-15 loss at the Baltimore Ravens this past Saturday night, but fellow linebacker David Mayo not playing in that game. Ben Standing is straight ahead. If you have never rated the podcast, please consider doing that. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, you can give the podcast a five-star rating. Uh, also, if you have never written a review of the podcast, please consider doing that. You can write a review of the podcast if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. The review does not have to be long. It can be just a sentence or two saying that you like the podcast. Uh, the ratings and the reviews do help to make the podcast successful and thank you for doing them. Uh, it is on Tuesday that we have the Cutdown To 53, each NFL team must reduce its active roster to a maximum of 53 players by Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. The Commanders on Monday began their cut down to 53 as they reportedly cut defensive back Stephen Parker, uh, who had been among the team's preseason heroes this year. Uh, The Commanders' cut down to 53, to me, had actually seemed relatively simple And then came running back Brian Robinson Jr. getting shot on Sunday. And among the many ramifications of Brian Robinson Jr. getting shot is a complicating of the commander's cut down to 53. Now, obviously, what matters most in the Brian Robinson Jr. situation is his health, but, you know, it's okay to acknowledge the football aspect of the situation. That doesn't make you a bad person. And so I'm pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast someone who most certainly is not a bad person, Commander's insider Ben Standing of The Athletic. Uh, He has just come out with his fourth annual NFL agent survey. It is an excellent read. You can find that on The Athletic. Uh, Ben has a podcast. He is the host of the Standing Room Only podcast. You can follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Standing. Hey, Ben, how are you? I think I'm also the president of the Abagali fan club, for the record. (laughs) Well, that is a very prestigious position to have. I know that you campaigned hard for that spot, and you got it. So good job by you. (laughs) I, I,
5: I, I got to get something going on over on this end. But I appreciate you having me on as always.
1: Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, so with Brian Robinson Jr. in the commander's cut down to 53, the team's realistic options would seem to be putting him on the reserve non-football injury or illness list or just having him on the 53-man roster. It is, though, feeling like he will play football this season. Is that the sense that you're getting?
4: Yeah, I
5: agree. I mean obviously it's Hard to know what what playing again it means and there's different layers of being available and being where he was we'll, we'll, we'll learn more about all these things in the days to come, but yeah, I mean Again the sobering the sobering aspect of what transpired obviously can't be forgotten and it's good it's amazing that he's able to uh, you know survive and it sounds like you know he'll have a good recovery but in terms of the football of it all who who can say right I mean you know none of us can say for, 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 for sure so we'll have to see but yes Rivera gave at least some sense of optimism relatively speaking
1: If the Commanders do not have Brian Robinson Jr. on the 53-man roster, who to you is that number three running back on the team's 53-man roster? Jonathan Williams or Jarrett Patterson?
5: Yeah, so I did my final 53 projection right after the Ravens game on Saturday. And I'm probably in the minority on this. I'm sure I am. I had four running backs staying with jonathan williams being the fourth guy that, that was in part because i just thought he had a pretty good camp i know he's a he's he's a contributor on special teams and the reality is you know gibson obviously has had a bunch of injuries his first two years and mckissick has been l- not limited but he's missed so you know he, they, they've kept him you know, from from a heavy workload this year and remember he missed several games at the end of, of, of last year so to me that made some sense to keep williams now in light of the situation I mean you obviously have to keep somebody else So to me Williams would be the, the, the answer I guess the only way not necessarily the only way I mean I'm not dismissing Jared Patterson but if somehow like they determine that Jared Pat like so I'm sort of going off on a tangent here but all this talk last week or so was about Antonio Gibson kick running back kicks well I don't think that's gonna happen now right if he's gonna be back to the role he had Somebody else is going to have to return turn the kicks. I don't know if Jonathan Williams is that guy. Maybe Jared Patterson is a little bit more, or it's somebody else altogether. That might be the only other variable I can think of that could flip it, but for me, it would be Williams is the third guy, is the long answer to your simple
1: question. When it comes to Jonathan Williams versus Jared Patterson, it has felt like Williams is ahead of Patterson. Do you see things that way, or do you think that Patterson, who, of course, did make Washington's initial 53-man roster for last season— is ahead of Williams.
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, as as you know, because you listen to all these press conferences, those aren't two guys that we asked a ton of questions about. I mean, I wasn't even sure I would, you know, the top three, when healthy, are are, are kind of a rock star trio. So you don't necessarily need to keep a fourth running back unless it's really for special teams or some other factor. Um, So I don't, you know, it's not like we've asked Ron Rivera and his eyes have twinkled or not when discussing one of these two guys, but it just looks to me like Williams has been the better player, he runs hard. Uh, you know, I've heard that they've been impressed with his speed. So uh, to me, he just he just made more sense. Obviously, Jared Patterson's a great story, and you know all that. And I'm not saying he has no role in this league, but it just felt like he was to be behind uh, Williams. So that's how I was viewing it going into all this.
1: Yeah, well, it's not often that we see a twinkle in Ron Rivera's eye. I did not see a twinkle in Ron's eye when you asked him about offensive line injuries last week. (laughs) But you handled that well. So I commend you for that. (laughs)
5: Yeah, definitely no twinkle in that one. For some reason, that was the one injury he didn't want to disclose. uh,
1: (laughs) The Andrew Norwell injury, yeah. You, on the latest installment of the Standing Room Only podcast, explored scenarios for the Commander's initial 53-man roster. Uh, The cut down to 53 prior to this Brian Robinson Jr. situation, to me, seemed more or less straightforward. Uh, is that how you saw it, or have there been position groups and decisions that aren't so obvious?
5: Well, I mean, I know the situations I looked at, and then I, I looked at some you know, my colleagues, and we've all discussed some of our final choices, and they're largely all in the same kind of vein. On the defensive line, is it sort of, are you keeping Chaka Tony or William Bradley King or Justin Hamilton or two of them, all right, if you keep 10? Are you keeping all four tight ends? I think yes, uh, including Ar- Armani Rodgers. In the secondary, a lot of people are down with eleven defensive backs. Cool, but is it six corners and five safeties, or reverse? Like I went six safeties because I just think that Jeremy Reeves has done enough to stay. Whereas at the corners, I think there's still a lot of questions about the depth there beyond the top three guys. Uh, so, kind of you like if so if you needed somebody in a pinch. I'd almost rather go with, like, three safeties with, like, McCain and Cameron Curl having to deal with somebody versus, you know, maybe Christian Holmes, who's, you know, a seventh-round pick and still learning. So I think those are some of the decisions. I think linebacker, I mean, I'll be honest, after the top three guys, including David Mayo, I almost debated keeping nobody else. Yeah. I ultimately did keep Kevin Milo, Eifler uh, over Khalid Hudson, but, you know, who? I, sure, I mean— So I don't think there's anything like, wow, crazy dramatic. I know some people have been asking about De'Ami Brown. I don't see that happening. Um, I I just don't see anybody like that dramatic. So the rest of it is fringe guys, depth, special teams. And, you know, that's sort of eye the beholder stuff, but nothing to to me that
1: screams, wow, this is the craziest thing. How many receivers do you think that the commanders will keep on their initial 53-man roster?
5: Yeah, so... I had six with Dax Milne being the last guy and he probably will be on some weird level of a fifth receiver because since he's going to return punts, assuming that's the way it goes, he would be active. I think De'Ami Brown would presumably be inactive for, for games for the most part. So as I said before, I already had Jonathan Williams on my 53. If we sort of eliminate Brian Robinson from this equation and then determine who the next guy is, you know, if you had asked me this before the Robinson incident, I would have said, uh, you know, I, I could talk myself into the, a William Bradley King or a Justin Hamilton on the defensive line, maybe a 10th offensive lineman. I'm always down with that. I kind of wonder, I mentioned before the idea that who's going to return kicks. Could you keep Alex Erickson as the seventh guy? I mean, it does feel like there's a bit of redundancy with him and Milne. So that's why I really haven't considered it. But now in this in light of this situation, part of me wonders if that's something that they would do. But
1: um, But otherwise, I have six. Much more with Ben standing in moments. I'm going to next ask him about what's going on with Jamin Davis. But what's going on in the Washington, D.C. area real estate market is now being a great time to buy. Yes, now. And so that's why you got to get with Kellen Hunt. If you are on the hunt for a home, in the DC area, get with Kellen Hunt. Visit closeitwithkel.com. That's closeitwithkelk e l dot Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Algaldi sent you. If you want to buy a home in the Washington, DC area, but are unsure whether now is the time to buy a home. No, this now is the time. Uh, it has been a crazy last few months. In real estate, no doubt. But as was detailed in the Washington Post recently, there right now is a real estate market shift taking place, giving the upper hand to buyers. The window for buying a home is opening. Uh, Buyers have faced crazy competition for homes over the last few years, oftentimes losing out on homes. Well, The rising mortgage rates mean that the market now is not as competitive and inventory is starting to rise. Uh, Houses are also sitting longer and we are starting to see price reductions, all good signs for buyers. Uh, Now is the time to capitalize on this. Visit closeitwithkel.com. That's closeitwithkel.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt has his finger on the pulse of developments all around the Washington, D.C. area. He is a DMV native. He lives and breathes the culture of the area. He has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to local neighborhoods and economical development and schools and market conditions and all that makes the Washington, D.C. area unique and Kellen Hunt closes deals. He wins. He is here for you to listen to what you want and then get you what you want, no matter your age, family situation, or financial situation. Kellen Hunt can help you. Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yeah, you the buyer get a piece of the action. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing and he wants to help. So visit closeitwithkel.com. That's closeitwithkel.com. Close It With Kel, K-E-L-L.com. Book your call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Visit CloseItWithKel.com. Book an introductory call with Kellen Hunt at CloseItWithKel.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kel. Visit CloseItWithKel.com and tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. More now with Commander's insider Ben Standing of The Athletic. Uh, the Commander's preseason-ending 17-15 loss at the Baltimore Ravens this past Saturday night, of course, ended up being a game in which uh, so many Commander starters and key players did not play. However, we in the game had Jamin Davis playing and David Mayo not playing. What did you make of that?
5: Yeah, Interesting, right? Um, so originally, Jamin Davis was... On the list of players not expected to play and then he ends up playing and Rivera said that Ultimately, it was a decision a change that they made over the course of that day I don't think it means anything from a Davis or Mayo will start But Mayo is obviously a guy that's been around the league Davis is only in his second year and they clearly wanted him to get more reps now on the one level sure I mean if you want to give the kid more reps We all know he did not he underwhelmed last year game looked a little too fast for him I do you think there's been signs of progress but you know my basic take is enough signs of progress to sort of be to justify the 19th pick I don't think we're there yet and the fact that they did choose to play him in this game says to me they're not sure yet either I mean John Dodson didn't play in the game Brian Robinson third-round pick didn't play in the game and we understand why those guys look apart I think Jamin Davis is still a little bit of a work in progress so I mean I think at the end of the day, the choice to play him may be the most significant aspect of Jamin Davis's offseason in terms of how we get a view of their perception of him. They also played Benjamin St. Juice and James Smith Williams, two guys who are effectively starters. Those kind of make more sense. St. Juice didn't play in the first preseason game, and Williams, Smith Williams, you know, he's the starter by default with Chase Young out. He, you know, he can get all the work in there, whatever, it's fine. But Jamin Davis, you'd think he should be a guy who's on the side. Instead, he ended up playing.
1: We late last season did see David Mayo play more than Jamin Davis played. Uh, I know that Mayo during some training camp and preseason practices did practice with the first team defense as opposed to Jamin. Uh, was that a frequent occurrence? It
5: wasn't frequent. Typically, it seemed
1: like it was when they went with like a bigger lineup, um, whether it was
5: like five defensive linemen and, and uh, two linebackers. Then Mayo seemed to come in for that type of look. I, I don't think he's somebody they really want. In coverage, and I think this is where Jamin Davis, I think there's still maybe a little bit of a question. He, he, to me, has looked better when he's playing near the line of scrimmage, when he's kind of moving forward. I think when he has to um, calibrate where he needs to be between, you know, attacking the line, defending a receiver, you know, his role within the defense, I think that's where some of this is still up in the air. And, you know, frankly, this is why it's sort of just stunning to me that they have not done more. To help with the linebacker depth. I mean, they did add Nathan Jerry, who, you know, I don't want to say he's a, he's just, he's a jag, but I mean, you know, he's a guy that was on the street that had has some, like like Mayo has played before, but not somebody that you're hopefully excited about. Um, but that, then since he got hurt, they haven't added anybody else. I assume they will on waivers. But part of the reason, the concern was, it's not just if somebody sprains an ankle, what if Jamin Davis is just not ready? You know, I mean, you know, it's not not saying throw him out or that it's impossible. I'm saying, what if he wasn't? Again, I think he's improved. But clearly, they want to give him enough, more reps, uh, you know, to take the risk of him getting possibly getting hurt in the last preseason game, which is typically something you you don't seem to do.
1: Derek Forrest did not play at the Ravens on Saturday night. Is he, in fact, the commander's number one Buffalo nickel?
5: It looks that way. He practiced ahead of Percy Butler throughout. Now, Benjamin St. Juice is your more traditional nickel and he would probably be the fifth defensive back. I would guess more often than not. But yeah, when you want that little extra, oomph, um, you know, that the, sort of what the way Landon Collins played last year, I think Forrest looks like the guy he has, to my eye, improved. Now granted he played last year uh, in the, during the regular season because of injuries and just limitations. He definitely looks like he's made um, a bit of a jump. Uh, again, all relative, but yeah, I think he looks to me like that guy with Percy Butler behind them. I guess one thing I do kind of wonder now that the games are going to get real, I do feel like Jeremy Reeves had a pretty good camp. Now he's more obviously a free safety than that Buffalo nickel, but I do kind of wonder. It's one thing to sort of play him behind those other kids because you're trying to get them developed, but I almost wonder if he, if he stays, could he be a little bit even higher up in the rotation, perhaps? he does have a little more experience. Like I said, I thought he played well. He's, of course, mostly playing against the backup, so
1: you got to keep that in mind for sure. Uh, Trey Turner, uh, of having dealt with a quadriceps injury, finally uh, has been doing some things in practice. Is he going to be the commander starting right guard, as had been anticipated, uh, or is Wes Schweitzer going to be the team starting right guard?
5: Yeah, I mean, he just hasn't played. I mean, literally since he had, he was out from, like, January... or Sorry, July 28th until... You know the end of last week i mean if you had asked me before the start of camp i would have said he's he's probably gonna be the starting right guard now i, I in my head it's probably a little more 50 50 maybe it's not in there. So It's a guy that has tons of experience having played with ron under ron rivera under offensive line coach john matzkow obviously so has schweitzer now at this point right but they brought turner in for a reason so i would think if he can go he's a starter the question will just be what type of shape is he in it's you know the season's still two weeks away, but it is now two weeks away. Um, so, you know, I think it's just a matter of, you know, what kind of shape he's in come come Jacksonville
1: week. I do want to ask you a Carson Wentz question. It's funny, as massively important as he is to what happens with the Commanders in the 2022 season, he's almost become an afterthought in recent weeks, I guess because we're all Carsoned out. And now, of course, we have the Brian Robinson Jr. situation. But off everything that you have seen and heard from and about Carson over the course of practices and preseason games. Uh, do you feel better, worse, or the same about what he's going to be for the commanders this coming season?
5: Yeah. Um boy, I hate giving the wishy-washy answer, but I kind of feel the same, which is to say that I've seen him throw the deep ball, I've seen him throw some real pretty throws that if he can do that in the real game, people are gonna be like, wow, that is impressive. But I've also seen the, the issues that have been discussed when he was with Indianapolis and Philadelphia, the inaccuracy, the sort of questionable choices, the, the, the breaking down of his fundamentals when under pressure. I think those things are, are concerning. Now, he ha- it looks to me like he has tried to be uh, – understand some of the more yeah, – add, add some game manager elements to his, his game, but realistically – you know, Tiger can't change his stripes, and he's a, an aggressive Brett Farvian type of of quarterback. I think the key is they have a lot of weapons. Now, obviously, again, the Brian Robinson situation changes that slightly. But when you look at the, the top three receivers, when you look at even the, you know even without Robinson, the backs they have, Logan Thomas is working his way into the lineup. They have a lot of guys who can be the focal point for a game plan in a given in a given game. So as long as he can get the ball to those guys, I think they have a real chance to to put up some points. But, you know, we'll see how he can do that consistently. That's why I'm sort of like still stuck in the middle. I thought he would raise the potential for the offense, but there were still questions. And I think that's still kind of where I'm at.
1: All right. I mentioned your fourth annual NFL agent survey. Uh, People can read that on The Athletic. You talk to NFL agents about many things, including whether Dan Snyder might ultimately be voted out as commander's owner by other NFL owners. I'm curious about this. Uh, What do NFL agents have to say about the state of the commanders right now? Like, how do NFL agents in general view the commanders these days?
5: Yeah. So, uh, spoiler, there'll be a second part to this It primarily focuses on some of this stuff. Um, I, I would just say that I don't think it's dissimilar to what you've heard in the past. That Ron Rivera is pretty respected. That a lot of agents are really down with 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 the riverboat Ron Rivera. But you know, I mean, not everybody is. And, and like some people are are are, are cool with, with Mayhew and Herney and and other group But other people kind of view it as a, you know, not the most innovative of groups. That like you know, we got. As somebody who's getting older, I don't want to be accused of ageism, but like you know, maybe they could use some, some some more youthful thinking somewhere within the group. I think in general, though, people, when when you compare it to where it was before, you mentioned the survey a couple of years ago when Bruce or whatever that was, a Bruce Allen was still here, and one of the questions is like, who's the, like the least trustworthy GM? Bruce Allen got a pile of votes. Um, and a lot of the times, especially in Rivera's like first and second year, when I would ask questions, it would be like, well, regardless of what I think of them now, it's way better than it was before. So, you know, there's that. Then there's, of course, there's also the Dan Snyder factor that even if, if you say it's a Ron Rivera show and Snyder's not that involved, it's hard to pretend that he doesn't exist. And that adds some level of instability to the situation. So there, there are some people who would tell their clients, you've got to be careful if you go to Washington in particular, the bigger name guys, because of that instability. And then for others, they say, hey, if they're gonna offer you the most money, go for it. Uh, So, you know, I think, I don't know if that makes all all sense in total, but I think that's kind of the general idea of where people kind of see this place.
1: Well, it's funny that you brought up Bruce Allen because the first NFL agent survey that you did, the one in 2019, what the agent said about Bruce in that survey got a lot of attention. And the irony of that is that Bruce is a former NFL agent. (laughs) Like even his own brethren can't stand him. Uh, I think that that says a lot.
5: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the quotes are are are, are are pretty spectacular, and even this time, to be honest, when I asked the question of like which uh, GM do you trust the least, knowing that I cover the team that I cover, a few of them said, "Well, I would have just told you, Bruce Allen, once again." <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so so quite quite the legacy, quite the legacy there. But you know, like I said, this is definitely one of those. There as we're, we're, you know, I think everybody feels a little better when they're dealing with Washington, just in terms of professionalism and just, uh, you know, you know as, as we know with any negotiation, not everything's going to go the way you want and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think anybody feels like they need a silkwood shower after dealing with Rivera and his group.
1: That's crazy. I mean, Dan Snyder fired Bruce Allen in December 2019, nearly three years ago now, and yet still his name comes up. Uh Commander's Insider, Ben Standing of the Athletic. Ben, always enjoy our conversations. Thanks a lot. Al, always a pleasure, man. Thanks. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Algaldi. You can email me the Algaldi Podcast at Yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 389. We'll have in-depth react to, and analysis of the commander's cut down to 53. Who is in? Who is out? uh, Regarding the team's initial fifty-three man roster. will also get into the latest in the Brian Robinson Jr. situation. Also on Wednesday show, plenty on the Nationals and Orioles. The Nats on Tuesday night at seven oh five will begin Game One of a three-game series against the American League worst Oakland A's at Nationals Park. The O's on Tuesday evening at six ten will begin Game One of a three-game series at the American League central leading Cleveland Guardians. So Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you. On Wednesday,
4: it's sad, but at the same time, I was praising God because He's fine and He's going to be okay. And it's not life-threatening. Situation could have played out a lot worse for him and his family. And knowing that He's going to be okay, got to give God the glory.